you're going to listen to a podcast, do you like scary podcasts? What's your favorite scary podcast? Well, it better be Guide to the Unknown. Hello, welcome to Guides of the Unknown. I'm Kristen. And I'm her little brother, William. And today's Slashtober continues, where we'll be talking about arguably the two biggest boys of the slasher genre. I think so as well. We are going to be taking you through the complete stories of Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Yeah, two of the, I think, the the iconic slashers that people most often think about Mm -hmm. when you consider what a slasher is. Yep. Both of them, I think, are their counterparts for each other in a weird sense. Yeah. Um, they appear on particular days of the year. Yes. They are mute. Yes. They wear white masks. Yes. They are large, hulking men. Yes. They are unkillable. Right. They are uh-huh. unstoppable. They prefer to walk, not run. Yeah, they're like the same. They're very similar. Huh. Very similar. I honestly hadn't really thought about that, or at least I haven't thought about it in a while or something. There are obviously other pairings uh, that we could have considered, maybe a Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees. Obviously, Freddy versus Jason was a thing. I'll get into it a little bit in this episode. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I think that Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees are the slashers. Yeah. They're the slashers that we all consider, that we all think about. And so today, we celebrate them. That's right. (laughs) We celebrate you, Michael and Jason. And you know what else we celebrate? Yes. We want to celebrate the birthday of our listener, Daniel. Daniel, your girlfriend, Alyssa, reached out to us and told us that you guys are separated right now while you're in Ireland at school and that you're both big fans of the show. You're both big well, not big patrons. Well, maybe you are big patrons. I don't know. You're patrons of the show, which is super, super nice. And she thought that over the airwaves would be a nice way to get a gift to you. So happy birthday, Daniel, from Alyssa and from us. Happy birthday, Daniel. Yes. Hope you crazy kids get back together soon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I hope you're enjoying the Emerald Isles. Yes. Blarney. Actually, there is some Celtic history to Michael Myers. There is, but I don't go into it. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much. It's, yeah. He's like not even really part of it. Not really. Yeah, so yeah. I just let it be. So rather than leaving you in suspense with that little nugget, why mm-hmm. don't I start telling you the tale of Michael Myers? Please do. So I tried to approach the story of the movies from Michael's perspective somewhat. Oh. And this is going to be like reading heavy. I'm going to be like narrating my notes. I think to you, basically. Did you, when you say from Michael Myers' perspective, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously Halloween opens with his point of view. Did you write in character as Michael Myers? <laughs> no, the no. The rage. <laughs> it feels so good. Not exactly, but instead of being like, um, like. Cult of Thorn, eh? <laughs> I'll give it a go. I don't think he even knows about the Cult of Thorn. Professor Loomis cannot hold me. Are you aware of him being aware that there's a Cult of Thorn? I'm not aware of him being aware. That's what I'm Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. So, no, just like instead of being like um, starting a story from the perspective of being like, so then Lori went to the hospital. It's sure. like Michael found out that Lori was in the hospital. Yes. So kind of leaning on that side of things. And I wrote it in a very like. Oh, I can't Wordsy wait. written way. Sure. I, I usually kind of have notes that I paraphrase as I'm talking. Sure. But I came to realize that like the way I wrote it, it'd be weird for me to paraphrase. You've got prose. I mean, not a ton of prose, but there's some stuff in there. Sure. So we're going to take it movie by movie. Mm-hmm. We'll probably break and talk a little bit, but you guys are going to hear a narration of my terrible audiobook about Michael Myers. Can't wait. 
and here we go. <laughs> okay. Wow, that one's back. All right. <laughs> all right. First of all, in case you guys don't already know, the timeline is a little bit tricky because there are divergent timelines and different like canons to the way this goes. I know. Talking about the Halloween franchise is like talking about like Terminator or some, you know, it's confusing time travel franchise. Yeah. You know, can I ask before you dive in? Sure. We already discussed like what are our favorite slashers and things like that. And I know that Halloween is one of your favorite horror movies, yes. just bar none. Yes. But ha- we're really discussing Michael Myers as a character, yep. therefore Halloween as a franchise. Mm-hmm. What do you do you have any love for the greater franchise of Halloween outside of that first movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love Halloween H2O. Sure. I didn't like Halloween 2018, but I've seen it like five times or something. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I think I've talked about it on the podcast <laughs> before. I'll just like consume or listen to pretty much anything about Halloween. So I've also listened to like multiple podcasts talking about Halloween 2018. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm fascinated by it. And I like kind of like it, even though I don't actually. I it's, enjoy watching it. Yes. It's it's like seeing something that's not done being made yet. Yeah. I know? mean, it's not exactly like I'm Mystery Science Theater 3000 in it. 3000-ing did or <laughs> whatever <laughs> whatever yeah um it's not quite that level of bad where i'm like it's so bad it's good but i just like i'm kind of fascinated by it i was so excited for it I when know. it was coming out Same. i was so hyped for it i remember thinking that the trailers looked really good and i was so pumped and maybe i'm even just fascinated by like how pumped i was and then like what a like pooped out party yeah, I know. What well, it's, it the, was? it's the institution of it all. Yeah, like yeah, the, it's there's such a, a big deal for something to come out that's so blah. I know. It's, it's very it's, weird. It's a legacy franchise. It's mm. an iconic character. It's the one that you know arguably really kicked off the slasher boom. Yeah, as we talked about last time, particularly in the '80s. Mm-hmm. So it's hard not to get excited about it coming back mm-hmm. and the notion of them trying to pick up pick up from just halloween itself yeah i thought that was really weird i know i didn't like the idea of that but i was so curious i was just so like pumped about about it and it was just like so not good it's not even so bad it's good it's just like we could do a whole we could do a whole show you're right anyway 2018 i have a lot to say to be honest so honestly i don't have a lot of I've watched Halloween, Halloween H2O, and Halloween 2018 a bunch of times. I've seen Halloween 2 and 3, and then I've seen – you know what? I've seen a bunch of them. Yeah. But I don't really enjoy or look for a rewatch of anything except for the three that I just mentioned. No, they're they're really kept alive by the existence of Michael Myers within them. Yeah. Although Season of the Witch, which has no Michael Myers, also has a lot of fun energy to it. But like, it's the character that keeps that franchise alive. Definitely. Because sometimes the plots of the movies are kind of disparate except for Michael Myers. It's like, how did Loomis show up here again? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. It seems to have nothing to do with him. I came to find Michael. He's always showing up. It sure is. All right. So, you know, as we were saying, the way that it works is that there's, you know, there are Halloweens one through six. Then Halloween H2O came out. It only recognizes the first two movies. Then there are maybe a couple more movies after H2O that are within line of H2O storyline. Then Halloween 2018 comes out and it is a sequel only for the first movie. So I'm sorry. Are you? I'm just not. I am not ignoring. I am the fact that I am. Robert Zombie 
yes, made that's, two Halloween movies. That's correct, I am. But I will say that was not my intention going into this. I was going to cover them, but then I was like, this is so long. You just naturally jumped yeah. them. They, they lift right out. They lift very cleanly out. There's no reason to address them if you don't want to. Yes. And I don't want to. Right. I, I, I would have if I was like, oh, there's enough time for that. But this is long. Sure. Oh, yes. So There are 11 Halloween movies. There are 12 Friday the 13th movies. Right, so buckle right. up. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to it. These are Michael's early years. Michael was born on October 19th, 1957. Wanted to add that in, in case that's anybody's birthday. And sure. It's like fun to hear. Yeah. And lived in Haddonfield, Illinois with his parents and two sisters. Around age six, he started hearing a voice in his head that told him to say that he hated people, as well as suffering from extreme nightmares. Not much later, he killed his older sister, Judith. On Halloween night, she was supposed to have been watching Michael, but decided to get amorous with her boyfriend instead. Michael, dressed in a clown costume, stabbed Judith to death and then went out onto the front yard where his parents found him. He was taken to Smith Grove Sanitarium, where he was under the care of Dr. Sam Loomis and spent 15 years largely catatonic, never speaking and barely moving. Of Michael, Loomis said, I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. The devil's eyes. I knew you were going to look up for that part. <laughs> I knew you knew I was going to look up for it. <laughs> I, I do love the idea of Michael Myers just being born bad. I know. It's yes. not how I feel about people. Me neither. But, but in it, this world, it is fantastic to have a, a character that is sort of a creature from birth. Yeah. And I don't feel that way about the world either. But in my fiction, I prefer black or white. I like just it pure, better generally. Yeah. At least pure evil. I don't like my evil tainted with good that makes me feel bad for them. Okay. In my fiction. I prefer not. Uh, Loomis says, I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. So Michael eventually decided he had just about enough and broke out on Halloween night, kicking off the events of the first movie. I'm also not going to go super deep into the first movie, especially because like everybody knows it basically. Yeah. He trashed his room, wrote sister on the door, and broke out, releasing the other patients at the same time. He stole Loomis's car and headed home to Haddonfield, picking up, picking up his iconic suit from a former truck driver along the way. He murdered him, naturally. <laughs> Michael is a busy boy on this day. He stalks a bunch of teenagers and starts picking them off one by one while Loomis tries to get the authorities to do something, for the love of God. They drop the ball and Michael kills a ton of teens, but one gets away. Laurie Strode. <laughs> Loomis shoots Michael and knocks him off course momentarily, but no matter, he'll get back on his feet. Loomis strode. Like you're filing that away for later. Very interesting. Something to keep in mind. Very yeah. interesting. Now, I caught something. Okay. I caught something in your synopsis. What? You cited not the movie. What? You cited the TV edit of the movie. The sister thing? The sister thing. Okay. So I, and this is in the sources for the show, I used the Halloween wiki for this. Yes. And I didn't remember that. And I was like, am I crazy? No. And then I thought, I must be crazy. Chris, you're so stupid. So I included it. Okay. I think it's worth including because sure, certainly but... like Halloween is rife with retconning mm -hmm. and it happened right away 
when Halloween 2 was coming out, they shot additional stuff for Halloween 1, yeah. which was released as an extended form on television. Right. And so it was shot by John Carpenter. Mm-hmm. And so it is arguably canon, but yeah. it was not introduced until the second one. And they are not sense. brother and sister in the first one. I know. That's what I was thinking, too. I, I got all mixed up and I was just like, you know what? I'll just leave it in because it's sure. in the wiki. But I was thinking that, too. I was like, well, they're not brother and sister. Was that foreshadowing that I forgot existed? But Yes. Well, I think it's also worth pointing out that a lot of the wikis for mm-hmm. pr- presumably Michael Myers. Yes. And definitely for Jason Voorhees, it's like a lot of people with a lot of love for the franchise and the characters filling in backstory Mm -hmm. that may not necessarily be from the movies themselves. Yes. I meant to mention that actually. The wikis are usually compendiums of like everything in that universe. So if there are comics, um, TV shows, like anything that adds to the story, they're all in there. So some of this stuff might not match the movies. That one I wasn't sure though. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then some of them I just don't know because I haven't seen some of them either at all or many times. Like I've never seen Halloween Six. Oh really? Um, but uh, that's the one with Paul Rudd. That's yeah. Curse of Michael Myers. Yeah. I think it's horrible. Yeah, you told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Some stuff might might, might be like movie loyal, yeah. and some stuff might not. But this is the story of Michael Myers, yes. as it was told to me by Wiki. <laughs> it was told to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so now this is where movie two happens. I thought that was fun because the movies pretty much all, if not all, have kind of like a cliffhanger of sorts and we pick up almost right away. Like everything acknowledges the previous events. So writing it out felt fun and smooth. You could completely trace what happened that led to this thing. Right. Okay, so... Loomis shoots him and he's knocked off his feet, but we know he's going to get away. And then this is where movie two happens. We find out that he limps away and hides in the in the elementary school, taking out some time to kill another teenager and write Samhain on the chalkboard in her blood. The town of Haddonfield is going nuts in the wake of the murders with riots breaking out. And Michael finds out from a news report that the one that the one that got away, Lori, is at the hospital. Good. He picks off everyone in his way at the hospital so he can get to Lori and kill her, but he's thwarted again. You see, all this time, Loomis has been looking for Michael, and in the process, realized that Lori is Michael's sister. This is why he came here. He rushes to the hospital to save Lori, and they set Michael on fire, which seems like uh, should put him down, but it does not. Not quite. Movie three is its own madness, and Michael Myers isn't in it, so we're going to skip it. But that might be a story for another day. Yeah, they're technically watching Halloween inside of Halloween right. three season of the witch. Right. But and he's not a character no. in the movie. He's right. talked about and acknowledged, but that so this isn't part of Michael's story. No. I'm not just telling you about or no, I'm not even telling you about the Halloween movies as a whole. I'm telling you about Michael. Yes. So now in movie four. Down but not out. Michael goes into a coma for 10 years, a result of his severe burns from his entire body being set on fire. However, something is able to get through. He hears his medics talk about, talking about how his sister Lori had died and that her daughter now lives in Haddonfield, which snaps him out of it. And so he murders everyone so he can get on over there and kill his niece, Jamie Strode. Loomis gets wind of this escape, tracks down Michael again, and implores him to leave Jamie and Haddonfield alone, to which Michael responds with burning down the diner they were in and leaving Loomis in the dust. Michael gets to Haddonfield in his usual style, kill a driver, obtain car, and swiftly goes ham on the town, killing almost the entire police force and turning off the town's power supply. But this time, he's got a little bit of fight on his hands. Haddonfield has had it with him, and a bunch of vigilantes with guns are on the prowl. 
Sigh. So tedious. He obviously makes his way through them and gets so damn close to Jamie. But then she's whisked away by those damn vigilantes. You're damn twice. (laughs) Oops. This is like a novelization. I also think I say slice and dice a lot. (laughs) Uh, It hasn't happened yet. I'm surprised. Uh, No matter. No matter is in the writing, not about my dams. Right, right. Michael simply clings to the bottom of the car they're in. Uh, (laughs) This a man who was until very recently in a coma. He makes his way to the roof of the car, but is thrown off and hit head on. Ha! Can't keep a good man down. He simply rises again. But oops, the cops show up and shoot him so much that he falls down a mine shaft where the police throw a stick of dynamite. But haha, he escapes and is swept away into a river where, admittedly, he runs into another spot of bother when he falls back into that coma. So we're, we're, now we're in five. Yes. Yes. Okay. W- once he goes into the mine shaft, that's the end of four. Oh, I mixed that up. I don't think that they even show them throwing dynamite in it <laughs> until in five they replay that moment and add dynamite to the scene. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Okay, I divided this at the wrong part. I thought that he might have gotten away in the river, and you see that he's like not doing so hot. So then I have movie five divide, and then oh, okay. it's incorrect. I write, it's chill though. A hermit down by the river nurses him back to health, and Michael thanks them for their kindness by murdering them. Better get back to hunting his niece, who, by the way, stabbed her stepmother on <laughs> stepmother stabbed her stepmother on Halloween after touching hands with Michael during the fracas of the last movie, and psychically absorbed some of his evil. He kills some teens at a barn party, and then Loomis shows up like a bad penny, telling Michael to meet him and Jamie at the Myers house to talk. But Michael knows it's a trap and that the cops will be there, so he needs to get them somewhere else, which he does by murdering the staff at the local children's hospital. So he goes to the house, knowing the coast is going to be mostly clear, takes care of a few cops who have hung back, and chases Jamie around. They actually have a tender moment where Jamie asks to see Michael's face, and he takes off his mask crying, but then he can't take the vulnerability and he lashes out again. Loomis ends up shooting him with a tranquilizer and incapacitates him by beating the hell out of him with a wood plank. Michael is taken down to the police station, and Loomis and Jamie go as well, but then a person in black enters, machine guns the whole station, and when the smoke clears, Michael and Jamie are gone. Yeah. Is that the right dividing line for the end of Halloween 5? I believe so, yeah. Here is undeniably where they started going, we're on five of these, I wonder if we should start having a storyline. We know we're going to make six. It's always just... Michael is getting towards somebody and killing everyone. Yes. There's like nothing more to it that's nuanced. Michael is just killing everybody in his path on his way to a person. Usually and a Loomis family is member. And Loomis is in hot pursuit. Yes. And that's all. It is 100% the same thing. There's no subplot. Each and every time so far. Yes. Four, where he wakes up out of a 10-year coma mm-hmm. and is now going not after Jamie Lee Curtis, but her daughter, is actually pretty good. It's, okay. it's essentially a remake of Halloween 1. Um, with the daughter. With the daughter. Yeah. But and it's, it's cute. Their name is Jamie mm-hmm. for Jamie yes, Lee Curtis. Absolutely. I enjoy that wink. Uh, but it's pretty fun. I have not seen five in a million years. I think that mm-hmm. that may have been one of the ones that like I was I wanted to rent that. from like Blockbuster. And I, I'm, I'm sure I've seen it. But I, it I didn't ring a bell for me when I was writing yeah. this up. I, I don't remember it. So I don't think I've seen it. Yeah. I've definitely seen parts of four. I know I've seen Michael pursuing the daughter, yeah. but I don't really remember that either. At the end of that movie, they did something which Friday the 13th also does eventually, where they started going, all right, I th- what is Halloween the franchise? Is it Michael Myers? Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be. So at the end of four, I think they had the feeling of um, enough is enough. 
we need to to change things up. And so Jamie, his uh, little niece, yeah, is wearing like a clown costume, which oh, is yeah. what Michael mm-hmm. Myers was wearing in the beginning of Halloween One as a child when he killed his sister. Yeah, she's wearing the clown costume. She starts to absorb his mania, psychopathies, supernatural, whatever, mm-hmm. and goes to kill her mother. Mm-hmm. And Loomis sees it and recognizes that the evil is in the kid now. Yeah. And he goes to shoot the child for the police to run in and, and try to stop him while he's going, no, I've got to shoot her. She's got to die. And it's actually a really alarming end to that film in a way yeah. that's interesting. And then in five, they just completely ignore it. They essentially, it seems, got the message of like, you can't make a kid be the killer. Uh-huh. This isn't going to fly. We're going to follow you on that journey. Stick with Michael Myers. Yeah. And that's that when sense. they started putting like a man in a black jacket yeah. in there to suggest that there's some greater mystery around Michael. Right. I think they just felt the need for a story. Yeah. yeah. Right. That that makes sense to me. Um, so here's what happens in Halloween 6 after that man in the black jacket has seemingly whisked Michael Myers and Jamie away from the police station. People think Michael must have died in the explosion, but of course he didn't. This man in black hid them away, holding them captive. We pick up with them six years later when they've escaped captivity. Not together, of course. So now Michael is once again stalking Jamie and the baby she had with the man in black. He catches up with her this time, finally killing her in a barn she was hiding in. The baby is nowhere to be found. But Michael wants that damn baby, and he figures he'll go back to the beginning, the Myers house in Haddonfield. Coincidentally, his sister Lori's adoptive family, the Strodes, now own it, and he kills a bunch of them in search of the Bambino. Michael works his way through a mental institution, killing people left, right, and center, until he's taken by that twerp Lori was babysitting, Tommy Doyle, who shoots him with tranquilizers and then beats Michael with a pipe until he's down. But once again, not out. Loomis enters the hospital to take care of some business, and we next hear his screams and see Michael's mask on the floor. He has clearly risen. Mm. So now is where things get a little bit tricky, because the next movie that comes out chronologically is H2O, which does not recognize movies three through six. So in your mind, pretend that Lori and Loomis have gotten away from the hospital and left Michael burning. It turns out in the world of H2O, now we're picking up with it. That his body was never found and everyone assumes he died, but not Lori Strode. She faked her death in case Michael ever came back or ever came after her again and assumed a new name, a new life. But Michael, resilient boy that he is, tracks her down by finding the nurse from the first movie and breaking into her files, as well as breaking her life and that of (laughs) Joseph Gordon Levitz. He decides to pay her a visit on a special day, Halloween. Lori is a school marm now, and Michael finds her and her son and his bangs at the boarding school where she works. <laughs> uh, what's his name? Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett has very distinctive bangs. In that Introducing movie. Josh Hartnett. I know. Yeah. So they really felt good about what he was doing here no. and his hair. Mm-hmm. He kills teens. Uh, this is Michael Myers, not Josh Hartnett. He kills teens and grownups aplenty, and LL Cool J acts very weird. Lori has had just about enough and decides to finish him herself, but he always gets the last laugh. Michael kills an EMT who was tending to his lifeless body, puts him in the body bag that Lori thinks Michael is in, and sneaks off into the night while poor Lori thinks she kills Michael once and for all. (laughs) 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 
This is a rad movie. I really enjoy this movie. It's underrated. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen it at all, or if you haven't seen it in a while, I highly recommend watching it. It is a more effective catching up with Laurie Strode after the events of Halloween Mm -hmm. than Halloween 2018 is. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I, I, I sort of disagree with the idea of ignoring that this movie exists. I do, too. It's a good movie. Yes. It gets lumped in with, like, the crappy, like, teen horror movies of the late 90s, early 2000s. Mm -hmm. And I kind of get that. It's not, like, amazing. But this, their story is good. Like, Lori's story is really realistic and interesting. And yes. her whole arc in the movie is cool. So, like, I didn't go into it because I'm talking about Michael, but she essentially goes into witness protection and has, like, a ton of anxiety and a drinking problem after dealing with everything that she's dealt with in her life. Her, like, boyfriend doesn't know that she's, like, the Lori Strode. She goes by a different name. It's, like, Carrie. Carrie Tate. Mm -hmm, Carrie Tate. And uh, it, it's really good. And so she's like afraid of Michael. It's this whole thing. He comes to pursue her and then she's over it. And there's a really good scene where she's like the new Michael stalking him. Mm -hmm. They have her in like shadow and profile and she comes out in the classic Halloween movie plays and she's like, my God. Yes. And it, it's really good. It's really great. It's her having to face her own trauma. Mm -hmm. Um it definitely it's amusing to me you know we did slasher history last week where we talked about how you know scream was inspired by halloween mm -hmm. and then in the 90s we got halloween h2o which was undeniably inspired oh, yeah. by scream yeah so it's a, an inversion in a in a weird way i think halloween h2o was written by kevin williamson mm -hmm. and um it feels like it yeah it has that kind of like quick Teen Aaron Sorkin dialogue. Yes, totally. Um, teen Aaron Sorkin? Yeah. <laughs> like Aaron Sorkin babies? Yeah. You know? Yeah, like Muppet babies. Yeah. yeah Aaron yeah. Sorkin babies. Aren't they kind of? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I, I really, I like that movie a lot. And then it's for good. some reason, everyone acts as if it Jamie sucks. Lee Curtis in 2018 is, is having the same feelings as she already had in H2O, but they're better now. Like they're more interesting or more realistic. And I find oh. that the Halloween 2018 portrayal to be so much more mm -hmm. um, broken and pitiful in not a realistic or good way. No, same. Than what H2O it had could, already done. I mean, we really could talk about Halloween 2018 forever. Yeah. It could have been good. I kind of like the idea of where they were going with her, but like it was just written weirdly. She like said or did things sometimes that was like humans don't do this. Right. Um, I, I think that things were cut from the movie. It clearly, because there are things that just don't even match up. That just don't even make sense. Like, right. uh, she's not invited to go to right. the uh, graduation dinner for mm -hmm. her grandchild. And then they cut to the graduation dinner and like, she's late. Yeah, right. Well, she's always... It's like, you didn't invite her. There was just a whole scene about so how she weird. wasn't invited. And then when she shows up, they're like, finally, you arrived. And it's like, what? what is missing here? You specifically didn't invite her because you think she's like problematic. Right. Are there two different drafts of the I script know. that are filmed in this movie? It's so weird. It's so strange. Yeah, it's, it's very odd. And even Jamie Lee Curtis in H2O as a, uh, a sort of struggling post-traumatic stress disorder drinker, mm -hmm. one of the greatest scenes in that movie is her struggling to reveal the truth yeah she's out at a restaurant with her boyfriend she's sitting there with a glass of an wine. h2o in h2o she's sitting there with a glass of wine he gets up to go to the bathroom and the second that he leaves she gets the server's attention and goes hey can i get another glass of wine mm -hmm. he notices that her glass is still full and she's sort of uncomfortable she goes now yeah the server goes off off to get her a second glass of wine while she chugs the first 
And then she's still finishing drinking it while he comes back down to the new glass. She hands him her now empty glass, Mm -hmm. drinks the new glass to get it to the same level where the previous one left off. And he shoots her a look that, and she shoots it right back of just like, none of your, none of your business. Yeah. And it is so authentic Mm -hmm. and, and like, you know, clever but sad yes and you get the idea that she's been through something so when she fights back at the end it all feels very earned yeah um absolutely and like she's really had to gather some strength that maybe wasn't there for a long time yes and importantly michael is coming back to get her yeah in halloween 2018 she's also suffering under this post-traumatic stress disorder and drinking binge of He's going to come back to get me someday. I know he will. Mm-hmm. And when he gets loose, he doesn't care about her. Mm-hmm. He does not. There's nothing in the movie to indicate that he's after her. No. At all. Which would be very fascinating if that were the point. Mm-hmm. But they almost pretend that her point of view of the situation is still true somehow. Right. She knew he'd always come back and he's come back for me now, even though the well, entire it's a movie good narrative. is. And it's like everybody in that world, in that movie is going with that narrative, even though it's not reality. Dr. Sartain also thinks that's the way it should be. True. So he orchestrates it to be that way. Yes. And it would be interesting if it was just like she had to deal with like, he's out there, he's out and about. Maybe he doesn't he's care about me. Not coming to get me. It would be so odd and interesting to watch her have to realize. Yeah, he never cared. Mm-hmm. He's not out to get me. Right. He doesn't I've have made my whole life about this guy that may not even be human mm-hmm. or think about people in this way. There is no emotion to him. He doesn't care. Right. What would that do to a person to realize you built your whole life around yep. something that's not really happening? Totally. That would be fascinating. It'd be so that's much more interesting. That's not what's in that movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I mean, you know, we could talk it out and figure out how you resolve that. I but it's, it's less easy to resolve Without and have a, a big ending. But I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. So from a good movie, Halloween H2O, to a crazy... <laughs> schlocky fest movie this is halloween resurrection so michael finds out that after the events of h2o where remember she killed somebody that she thought was michael but we know that it was actually an emt who michael placed in a body bag of course michael finds out that Lori has been arrested for killing an innocent man and is now in the very same sanitarium that once housed him so he decides to pay dear old sister a visit and for once she bests him Almost. She lures him onto the roof and ensnares him in a trap that has him hanging over the edge of the building. But Michael is able to manipulate Lori into hesitating. Michael takes his moment and stabs her, letting her fall from the roof. Mission accomplished. Bye-bye, Lori. <laughs> so he retired. He did what he had come to do, and he said to just go home to the house in Haddonfield and chill out in the sewers below for the rest of his days until... What the hell? Interlopers. A reality competition TV show called Dangertainment starts filming in the house above, revolving around finding out what drove Michael Myers to kill. Michael doesn't like this. And so he rises from the sewers and starts going to town. Eventually, one of the characters manages to electrocute Michael and burn down the house with him inside. C'est la vie. But of course, he came back to consciousness once he got to the morgue evil smile oh god uh it's in this movie that buster rhyme says michael myers is a shark yep in baggy overalls <laughs> so crazy yeah um okay so now this will bring us to the last movie that i'm going to cover it's what we just talked about sure but to give you a sum up of what happens to michael in the movie halloween of 2018 here goes so remember This is taking place only acknowledging the very first Halloween. So it's as though we just watched Dr. Loomis shooting Michael off of that balcony. 
And now in this reality, Michael was caught by Dr. Loomis after he shot him off that balcony. And he's been in an asylum ever since. He hasn't spoken in all this time, although he can. He just chooses not to. He's been under the care of Loomis's colleague, Dr. Sartain, who's fascinated by Michael, what he's capable of, and the workings of his mind. Michael's going to be transferred to a maximum security prison when on the bus ride over, there's an accident that allows Michael to escape once again. He carves a bloody path toward Laurie and Haddonfield, where they finally have a showdown, surprisingly orchestrated by the demented Dr. Sartain, who wants to see what will happen. Well, what happens is that Laurie ends up trapping Michael in a cellar and lighting him on fire once again. But once again, like the flame, he will rise. He will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, next year. It was already pushed. It would have come out this year. Yes. Halloween kills. That's right. And then conclude in Halloween ends. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, Halloween 2018. It's the 11th Halloween movie, and it purports to be Halloween 2. I know. It's so weird. I had an idea that's so weird. No wonder. No one would ever do this. Mm -hmm. But I was like, ah, the two. Roman numeral (gasps) II. 11. 1, 1. Like, what if you just called this Halloween II? What? Yeah. And so it's simultaneously Halloween 11 and Halloween 2. Too precious? Yeah. All right, fine. And confusing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I don't disagree Halloween with that. Halloween I, I. Or, or how about this? Halloween A-Y-E-A-Y-E. Halloween I, I. And yeah, it's on that a boat. I'm on board with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're going to be thrown overboard. Uh oh. <laughs> and Michael's always getting set on fire with yeah. all that water right there. Really convenient way to put him out and start things anew. Take to the seas. That's right. Yes. Yeah, we haven't gone there with Michael. That's true. Um, but. Also in this movie, it's all the all of the events are set in motion because there are true crime podcasters yes. that are trying to cover the Michael Myers story. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this was inspired by things like Serial yep. and the true crime boom. Um, I can't think of a franchise that works less with true crime mm-hmm. than Halloween. Um, yeah, it could have. I liked the idea of it when I saw it in the trailer. I was like, that could be interesting. There could be a way. Or I'll put it this way. I can't think of a franchise that might work better with true crime than Halloween if you don't ignore all the sequels. Yeah, if there there's were so much to dig into. That's seasons yes, of a serial. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if documentarians were trying to parse out uh, uh, 40 years right. of Michael Myers killings and the rumors of the supernatural and blah, 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 Totally. Blah, blah, blah. And rather than that, they're just going there hoping they can get Michael Myers to say a word. Exactly. It's but just instead, not that. I mean, it's interesting, but it's it, there's not a whole lot of meat on that bone. Totally. And from their point of view, they're going to try to speak to Michael Myers because he killed six people 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's also the same event that has turned Jamie Lee Curtis into a person who's engineered her house to have like right. a Rube Goldberg yeah, she's series. She's like a of, weird survivalist. Yeah, she's a survivalist. She's like Jigsaw. She's got she's all like of jigsaw. this machinery in her house that at the push of a button, all the doors can be sealed in and everything. Mm-hmm. I remember being kind of frustrated around this time because I viewed the the true crime podcasters as doing what I had already wanted to do with, I know. with Scream. I know. Which Scream as a franchise is about humans yeah. that kill for the fun of it, for the fame of it, and because movies have done it before. I feel that, and Scream is all about the police trying to catch them as well. And it's all about media responding to those real life events, the stab movies. Yes. So podcasters covering that is so perfect Such and a so natural. Stab. natural. I Love your treatment for Scream 5. I, I think it's the best. I think it's still there. If you go to talkbomb.com slash Scream, you can read 
uh, and watch mm-hmm. my like uh, treatment and script for what I wanted to do with Scream. It's how I got my writing job with Hunter Killer in the first place. Mm-hmm. But like that is a, a world where you could go like, yeah, I'm a podcaster and I go to Woodsboro. Oh, here's the grave of Billy Loomis. Right. Oh, and maybe, you know, it's been you know, uh, people have graffitied on it mm-hmm. and it's been, you know, chipped and and ripped apart and stuff. And like, you can dig into the history there, yeah. but in Halloween, they wanted to say, ignore everything but the, but the first one where I'm like, couldn't you There's lean into the, how crazy it is yeah, and people looking it. into like, how did this happen? What totally. is this? And isn't it more fascinating to have Jamie Lee Curtis really be like, no, 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 no. You all don't understand mm-hmm. because nobody believes that he was paranormal. Right. And yet she knows that he's been doing this for 40 years. Right. Right. Totally. Um, I, I'm really curious to see what they do next. I am with too. Halloween. I am too. I was bummed Always. that it got pushed. Yeah, I was I was really looking forward to seeing it, even though I grumble about the first one. Mm-hmm. I was very much looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah. So before we move on to Jason Voorhees, we just kind of want to fill you in a little bit about some of the stuff we do. This show comes out every Friday in audio and video, so you can check it out at youtube.com slash talkbomb if you'd like to watch us have the conversation. And we also have a Patreon page that has bonuses for the Netherworld Warrior tier, which is $4 or more per month. So you get a bonus episode that comes out every month on the 13th in a private podcast feed that's just for people over on Patreon. We also do a live stream planning the whole month of episodes on the first Sunday of every month where we talk to the chat, we get their input a lot of people over on patreon had really great ideas that we've incorporated into this slash tober month including the name slash tober yeah so it's very very cool and today we just set up a discord on patreon only for our netherworld warrior members over there so discord is kind of like a chat room in a sense where you can just talk to people in real time all day rather than having to log into Facebook or whatever. It has a whole lot of other features. I'm going to be totally honest. I'm a total Discord noob. We basically set it up as a container for the Netherworld Warriors, our Patreon donors, to hang out with each other over there rather than another avenue for us to be putting really anything creative or new into discord we'll see what happens but we wanted it to be there as an option for our patrons because they had asked about it yeah we've gotten a lot of requests to have a Mm -hmm. discord so that people can can talk to each other and i think that there's voice chatting yeah text chatting and share links and pictures and stuff like that so i really hope that people um take advantage of that yeah enjoy it's there for you to use if you join our patreon so please do yeah yeah and you can find links to everything you can find our patreon you can find our facebook group you can find our merch lots of stuff over at g tttupod.com along with our uh, spin-off podcast Ghost Adventures Adventures which just came back this week yeah. where we recap the goofy ridiculous show Ghost Adventures and so enjoy all of that laid at your feet yeah, from please us do. over here at God to the Unknown yeah episode one of season two of Ghost Adventures Adventures just dropped on Tuesday mm-hmm. you can expect another new episode for the entire season every Tuesday yeah um, it's super fun and we're always talking about what you know <laughs> weird evidence Zach Bagans and his crew have discovered mm-hmm. um, this most recent episode includes uh uh, Kristen and myself really debating over the uh, the authenticity and location where a Belfie was taken. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're not familiar with the term Belfie, Kristen, what does it stand for? A butt selfie. Or is it booty or butt? It's got to be butt. Booties. People love booty. Do they? I think so. I guess. People out there, let us know. Do you love booty? Now we're going to get into a similar argument about booty versus butt. Hashtag booty, yes. If you love booty. (laughs) Hashtag booty, yes. Or hashtag butt, yes. If you prefer butt. 
Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, check it out. We uh, we really dig into these uh, Belfies yeah. that oh, were okay. shown on Coast Adventures. It's the bulk of our conversation, to be mm-hmm. honest. <laughs> Truly. Um, all right. So let's now talk about uh, Jason Voorhees, the boy that drowned mm-hmm. in Camp Crystal Lake. Now, I, um, similar to you, I'm focused really on Jason's exploits within his franchise. Yeah. Rather than covering the franchise itself. Mm-hmm. I did not write it, I don't think, nearly as well as you did about... Not as uh, well is the word, but... You wrote the, the Michael Myers stuff like it's the adventures of Michael Myers or something. I'm, I'm far more Myers. going like chapter by chapter. Mm-hmm. So uh, first, let's talk a little bit about Jason Voorhees' uh, childhood. Jason was born on June 13th, 1946, and he was afflicted with severe facial deformities, hydrocephalus, and mental disabilities. Uh, one of the big events that happened in his childhood, the story goes that Jason drowned in Camp Crystal Lake. Here's the story of that. In 1957, his mother, Pamela Voorhees, was hired to cook at Camp Crystal Lake and brought Jason along with her. He spent most of his time by her side, but one day he strayed away, finding himself getting bullied by some of the kids at the camp. He ran, but they caught up to him on the docks, pushing him into the water where he drowned. The counselors were preoccupied mm. Kristen they didn't wink wink they with, didn't see what happened with booties and butts sure they were taking yeah 1957 belfies <laughs> with that thing you pull and it goes poof <laughs> here's the twist though he didn't drown mm-hmm. he didn't drown at all that's what we thought even though the urban legend of Jason Voorhees spread and would spread even further once he came back as a killer evidently he managed to get to shore And as we can see in the movie, he must have been unsure what to do. Maybe he did not go back to his mother at all. It seems maybe he just lived out there in the wilderness, living off the land Mm -hmm. um, until he eventually uh, would see his mother's death. A lot of this would be retconned later. And a lot of that, I should also say, is similar to your uh, uh, explanations of Michael Myers is pulled from like fan recreations, Mm -hmm. recreations of the the (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> of the Jason story. So some of it, uh, most of that is not seen in a movie at yeah. all. It's pieced together from things that characters have said in mm-hmm. films. So the first movie is Friday the 13th. It takes place in 1958 in the first scene where Pamela Voorhees is getting her revenge. It's been one year since Jason drowned from as what she believes happened. Right. Drowned in the water. She goes back to the camp to take her revenge, killing some of the counselors. The camp is shut down, and over the course of years, Pamela is still messing with the campground. Any time they try to reopen it, uh, I'll I'll poison the water this time. Mm -hmm. Anything to keep the camp from coming back. The bulk of the movie takes place June 13th, 1979. Today is his birthday. (laughs) Uh, He is 12 years old. I guess. Um, Steve Christie has decided to finally open the camp, and uh, uh, now Pamela Voorhees is going to town. Yeah. Killing everybody except for the final girl, Alice, who fights back. I have a weird theory I want to posit here. Okay. I'm going to be somewhat explaining the Jason story as we learn it. Mm-hmm. However, we all know that Jason is the primarily the killer of Friday the 13th. Yeah. Scream already spoiled the surprise. Yes. He's not the killer in the original. His mother, Pamela Voorhees, is. Jason didn't come around until the sequel. Hmm. Um, during the fight, the final girl, Alice, is fighting with Pamela Voorhees. Pamela Voorhees is speaking to herself in a teeny weeny little Jason voice going, kill her, mommy. Yeah. Kill her. And she screams at Alice 
in a way that suggests that Pamela is disconnected from reality, mm-hmm. is maybe viewing Alice as literally one of the counselors who was supposed to be watching yeah, Jason. Yeah. She says, look what you did to him. Theory. On its face, that quote suggests that she is viewing Alice as one of the camp counselors from 1957 who should have been watching Jason. However, knowing that Jason will eventually now become a supernatural threat, a giant hulking brute who cannot be injured, Mm -hmm. is it possible that Pamela Voorhees saying, look what you did to him, is in saying you've turned him into a giant monster? Yeah, it's right? possible. Do we ha- do we have anything else that would suggest that she knows that he's a giant monster? Yes. Okay. In part nine, which is titled actually Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. <laughs> they were not allowed to use Friday the 13th, the name. That's funny. Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. We go to the old Voorhees house where we can see the Necronomicon ex mortis oh, right, right, right. Yes. from Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. The theory is, posited by the director and writer, who are the same person, was perhaps, perhaps Pamela Voorhees was dabbling in the occult to mm-hmm. bring Jason back. And so she's, my theory here, look what you did to him, is really her viewing the um, the domino effect. Yeah, right. You should have been watching him. He went into the water. He didn't drown. I thought he was dead. I tried to resurrect him. I turned him into a monster. Right, and so this is your I wouldn't fault. have done that had you been watching him. Look yeah. what you did to him. My boy is not really my boy anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that theory. Yeah, just something to throw out there because yeah, people love to... to People love to talk about the fact that, you know, by the time that we see Jason, which, you know, in this movie, Alice, as they're fighting, decapitates Pamela Voorhees with a big machete. Mm -hmm. Later sequels will suggest maybe Jason was watching this event happen from the shoreline or from the tree line of the wilderness right there. Um, And the the cliffhanger of the movie here, not cliffhanger, but uh, jump scare. Mm -hmm. They really wanted to ape the Carrie, successful scare of Carrie's hand popping out of her grave. Yeah. So Alice goes on a boat on the water, and she's just sort of like trailing her fingers along the glassy surface of the water. When ah! Ah! Jason, covered in mud, jumps out of the lake, grabs her and pulls her into the water. But it was just a dream. Mm-hmm. Or was it? <gasps> that boy is still out there. Cut to Friday the 13th, part two, which takes oh, place just a few years later. Takes place five years later, meaning that Jason here is 17 years old. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like to point out that Jason... Looks like he's in his, like, 30s or 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Which, of course he does. Yeah. He's, and he's played by, like, 30 to 40-year-old men. Yeah, totally. Just like a series of stuntmen. Yes. So in part two where he is the primary killer and we do see him, per the timeline, he's 17. Fine. It's ridiculous. Fine. So maybe it's Pamela Voorhees dabbling in the occult with the Necronomicon right, as seen in Right, him into a, a Buffy. Yeah, turn him into a big yeah. buff Belfy boy. Right. Yeah, a thick boy. <laughs> yeah, a thick boy. A thick boy. We also talked about that in that Ghost Adventures episode. <laughs> How could we not? So uh, here's what part two sort of shows us. It, a lot of these movies like to show us two different timelines. Mm-hmm. Uh, one. Shortly after the events of part one, meaning that this probably happened around 1979, 1980, Jason took his mother's decapitated head and her sweater. Yeah. And placed them on- I love this. It's great. Yeah. Placed them on a weirdo little throne in a shack he Mm -hmm. had made for himself out in the woods. He also somehow travels to Alice's apartment, which I believe is in California. Okay. And kills her with an ice pick. Well, you know, he's supernatural. 
We haven't really acknowledged that. No. Well, that's but, also important. Yeah. For the first slate of movies, Jason is not necessarily supernatural. I know I was just mm-hmm. saying a bunch of stuff about the ne- Necronomicon. That's with the full franchise yeah. in view. Yeah. Uh, but going movie but, by movie, here we're sort of just seeing a big hulking a guy. Dude. He's probably just some big guy. Uh, and yet he managed to go to California and, and kill Alice. Mm-hmm. Will Rogers' theory. Okay. Did he learn about killing by watching his mother work? Yeah. And then be like, oh, I've got to get Alice because she killed my mother. Mm-hmm. If he had not witnessed this event, might he have still just yeah. lived on the land and I, done nothing? That is my theory. Yes. I think so, yes. Um, so in the, the remainder of this movie, which largely takes place five years after the first in 1984, Jason is wearing a burlap sack on his head. He's got one eye hole cut out and he's got overalls on. He kills people at Packenack Lodge, another location on Crystal Lake. A lot of these take place. Mm-hmm. Like if you imagine Crystal Lake is a place. Yeah. And uh, uh, he just goes like, like a clockwork yeah. yeah, around the lake to different locations every yeah. movie, which is fun. That's funny. Uh, he's undone because the final girl is a woman named Ginny, who is said to have studied child psychology. She finds herself in Jason's shack. She sees Pamela Voorhees severed head on this altar and so the good. sweater. She grabs the sweater, puts it on and starts chiding Jason saying, stop it. I am your mother. Listen to me, Jason, which is a very smart thing to do. Yes. It's a very smart ploy. She distracts him just long enough. Smart or it could have really pissed him off. Uh, well, it kind of does because he looks around her and sees his mother's severed yeah. head and is like, oh, you're not my mom. Yeah. But it does take him a second to catch up. Yeah. However, but... he's been uh, dazzled by the facade. Just enough. Just enough yeah. for them to bury a machete into his shoulder. And he slumps over. Mm-hmm. Dead. But not really. Come on. It's just the end of the movie. <laughs> Friday the 13th Part 3 continues from there, just like Halloween. It picks up right from the end. Now we're on Sunday, July 15, 1984. <laughs> Jason gets himself Quite some- Quite a weekend. I know. It's a hell- Jason's 1984 <laughs> yeah. is a big year for yeah. him. He gets a lot done. He gets himself some new clothes, kills some shopkeepers, bikers, and kids that are vacationing now at Higgins Haven. Uh, he gets rid of the bag that's on his head and, and upgrades to yeah. something a little bit more iconic because a weirdo named Shelly Finkelstein has been, has been uh, spooking his friends and annoying the hell out of everyone, including Will Rogers, who's yeah. watching the movie in the year 2020. <laughs> Shelly Finkelstein is uh, an, an obnoxious character. <laughs> I only vaguely remember. And he brought along a hockey mask to you know jump out and surprise people. Yeah. Uh, Jason ditches the hood and takes the hockey mask, becoming mm-hmm. the icon. Jason. Icon step one. And here yeah. is where I think it's very worth pointing out a major difference between Halloween and Friday the 13th, between Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Michael Myers was made immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think John Carpenter is a, 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 a wonderful creator. He's definitely a businessman. But I also do think that he's a real artist. And mm-hmm. I think that the vision of Michael Myers came out Already done. Yeah, yeah. He was perfect from movie one. Uh, you know, there's some. He changes looks a little bit throughout the movies. Oh, he certainly does. He yes, certainly but no, changes, but they never got better. No, than no, one. definitely not. Just Google like Michael Myers throughout the years or something. You'll see all his different masks and looks. The eyebrows get bold sometimes. The hair gets longer. Fully it's just like different masks weird. a lot of the time. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Fat neck, fat yeah. face. Yeah, it's very weird. Mm. But uh, Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. which was, you know, they saw the success of Halloween and went, we want to do that too. Oh, yeah. It took them a while to figure out what they were even making. Right. But it's here in part three, Friday the 13th 3D, 
where he gets the hockey mask mm -hmm. and an icon is truly born. Yes. It arguably kind of starts here in yeah, the third yeah. movie. I think so. Um, all right. So he's finally got the hockey mask. He's stalking around. Uh, the kids fight back. One of them chops an axe right into his head, taking a little chunk right out of the hockey mask. Ooh, that's gotta hurt. Mm -hmm. Surprise, surprise. He survived. Mm -hmm. But one of the survivors goes out on the lake in a little boat. And who pops out of the water? Pamela Voorhees. Mm -hmm. Jump scare of Pamela Voorhees jumping out of the lake. They never revisit that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know, find that fun. It's I like a fun it. scare yeah. that goes back to the number one. It's yep. a perfect trilogy going back to where it all started, mm -hmm. sort of trajectory. It's tidy. It's yeah, I'm fine. Into it. It's fine. All right. Now let's go to Friday the 13th, the final chapter, Kristen. Uh. This takes place on Tuesday, July 17th, 1984, <laughs> directly after the events of part three. Jason and his victims are taken to the morgue, but Jason isn't, is dead. Or is he? The entry was intended to be the end of Jason. They really called this the final chapter with the mindset of we're going to kill Jason. Just like how in part four of Halloween, they figured, well, what if we got rid of Michael Myers? Uh, they would uh, come to realize this was a huge mistake. Yeah, absolutely not. Jason makes his way back to the lake, kills a bunch of people, including Crispin Glover. <laughs> a young Tommy Jarvis, played by Corey Feldman, is obsessed with movie magic. This is a reference to Tom Savini, the, the special effects whiz. Mm -hmm. uh, Tommy Jarvis is into special effects. He does a lot of mask making. He's learned the story of Jason, the boy who drowned in the lake. Tommy, to fight back, cuts off all his hair and puts makeup on himself to look like young Jason so that when big monster Jason comes in, he's distracted. It is distracting. Okay. So I can understand why Jason I've never seen this is one. frozen in his footsteps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Corey Feldman's got these little strands, these disgusting little strands of hair. He's got a bald wig and just like long strands of hair coming through. Weird. He's supposed to have just cut his hair off. It looks horrible. Huh. He looks like um, Smashing Pumpkins. Okay. Billy Corgan? He looks like Billy Corgan. But then with just like strands of hair? Yeah. Okay. That's great. So uh, he's puzzled. Jason is puzzled just long enough for Tommy to jam a machete halfway through Jason's skull. It cuts through Jason's left eye and it really gets to like the bridge of his nose. His, yeah. his, his head is like cleaved in twain. That sounds like some final chapter stuff. Absolutely. He then slumps forward, uh, uh, landing on the handle of the machete, which pushes the machete oh. further into his face. It's truly oh. supposed to be yeah. the end, but his body is still moving. And so young Tommy Jarvis, you know, it's Corey Feldman at like 11 years old, pounces on top of Jason Voorhees and starts stabbing him with the machete going, die, die, die. Uh, Boy, that kid's going to be not right. <laughs> you, you couldn't be more correct. <laughs> Because we pick up now in Friday the 13th, a new beginning. This takes place five years later. We're finally leaving 1984. Okay. There was like the original Jason wow. trilogy. The Jason is Alive trilogy of part two, part three, and yeah. uh, final chapter all take place over the same weekend of 1984. I like Jason that. kills all these people. Very fun. Yeah. Uh, so now we've got Friday the 13th, a new beginning. Uh, five years later, Tommy Jarvis isn't doing so hot. Is it Corey Feldman? No. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. It's some other guy. Okay. He's moved from uh, to the Pinehurst Halfway House. Okay. Which is on Camp, which is on Crystal Lake. He's having visions of Jason Voorhees. He shouldn't go there. He should not be there. I couldn't agree more. That's not going <laughs> to speed his healing along no. whatsoever. He's seeing Jason everywhere he goes, and he's obsessed with masks. This is not a good plan. No. No. 
There it's is distance. there is another person who's at the halfway house who's obsessed with chocolate bars. Okay. And his face is covered with chocolate and his hands are covered with chocolate. Okay. And he keeps walking up to other people that are from the halfway house offering them chocolate. One of them kills him with an axe. Okay. Okay. The next day, murders everywhere. Is it Jason? Could he be back? It's certainly where around Crystal Lake that would make a certain amount of sense. But also, we know that Tommy Jarvis is not well. He's been seeing visions of Jason. Could it be that Tommy Jarvis has taken up the mantle? Neither. Was it the guy with the axe who killed the chocolate boy? No. Oh. It was R- Roy. Oh, of course. Roy. The paramedic who showed up in the aftermath <laughs> wow. of chocolate boy being killed. For you see, what? he was that boy's father? The boy in the halfway house? So this has almost nothing. To, so this is Not almost, almost like nothing. the Halloween nothing. 3 yes. of Friday the 13th. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Roy um, was that boy's father and decided to use the image of Jason to get his revenge. Um, he's wearing a workman's suit and a hockey mask. The hockey mask, the little flare things on it, the little design elements on it are blue instead mm-hmm. of the typical Jason red, mm-hmm. which is how you can tell. Uh, and yeah, he decided to just get revenge, whatever. Tommy manages to defeat Roy in self-defense, dropping him on a bed of nails. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which, you know, I guess you would start to think like, well, maybe this satisfies the psych- the psychological itch he has to purge Jason from his system. Except yeah, right. no. We all know the that sound that Jason makes. That's yeah. kill mom. Mm-hmm. Everybody hears it as chi, 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 ha, ha, ha. ha. How can you not? But mm-hmm. it's kiki, ma, ma, ma. In the final scene of this movie, Tommy Jarvis is in the hospital and he's been pushed over the edge. We hear mixed in with the score. Kiki, ta, ta, ta. Kill, kill, kill. Tommy, 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 Tommy. Oh. He opens a drawer. There is the blue hockey mask. He puts it on. Hmm. And Tommy Jarvis is the new killer. Is he a good enough character where you're like, I want to follow this guy now? No. Okay. And they knew it. Okay. Because now we jump to Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives, where we ignore the events of the previous movie. Tommy Jarvis is still not doing well, but nowhere near as bad as that. (laughs) I do want to say as horrible as part five was, and I did watch all of these. Yeah. As horrible as part five was. I had never seen it before. As horrible as part five was, I really do like... That they swapped in ki 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 ta ta. Yeah, that's fun. I, I I like taking something that's like a big piece of the iconography of everything yes. and like just giving it a little edit. It was it's like exciting to hear. Totally. I it was yeah. fully exciting when yeah. it first came out. I was like, like oh, that's whoa. clever. Yeah. There's a clever thing in the mm-hmm. movie. This is great. Yeah. Um I it was enjoyable from a what is happening perspective, mm-hmm. I should say. As many of these were. Yeah. Um all right. Friday the thirteenth, part six, Jason lives. Spoiler alert, my favorite of the bunch. Right. You were just telling me about this. Holy crap i've never seen this movie before i loved it cool so we still follow tommy jarvis played yet by a third guy um who was also in um return of the living dead okay and so it was kind of fun to be in that 80s vibe a fun 80s movie and have somebody from a fun 80s movie be in it so um he's still he's he's still not over jason We're sort of ignoring five. It's debatable whether or not five happened. Is part of this, yeah. But for sure, Tommy Jarvis is still struggling with Jason. And so he's taking it upon himself in on July 13th, 1990, to go to the grave of Jason Voorhees. He was said to have been cremated. 
It wasn't true. He was buried. And so he goes there with a friend. They dig up the coffin. And upon seeing the maggot-covered corpse of Jason Voorhees, Tommy Jarvis flies into a rage, grabbing a nearby fence post and stabbing it into Jason's body repeatedly. He stabs it into the heart. It's uh, just sticking out of his body. Lightning strikes. Uh oh! Funneling energy into the body of Jason Voorhees, waking him up just like Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, Um, it is uh, cheesy, but I really enjoyed. That's a good way to get it going. A thousand percent. I like it. Let's party. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, everything that happens here is largely comedic. Yeah. Jason's stalking around. He's a zombie now. That's very important to point out. From this movie on, Jason Voorhees is back. Yeah. And he's dead. Mm -hmm. And every movie will see him decay. A little bit more. Yeah. You can like see bits and pieces of his skull through his skin. You can see like his spine in some of the movies. It's 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 a different flavor. It's really fun. So he's stalking around. Um, there are business people on some sort of a corporate retreat. Okay. That are doing paintball. Mm-hmm. And um, in the how did this get made episode about this movie, which is very fun. They hated it. Yeah. Which is fine. I really enjoyed it. But June Diane Rayfield, one of the hosts, points out that um, there's just like great little bits of character work in the film. There are two guys from this um, uh, company that are doing a corporate retreat thing. And one, and one of them is like gung-ho about like, we got to get them all. And the other one goes, you become a different person when we're out here. <laughs> That's really fun. It's a great line. It's a teeny tiny moment. That's very fun. But the movie is full of little weird Things like this. Um, Tommy Jarvis has to deal with the fact that he's revived the monster. And he has a plan now. He starts studying up on the occult. He's going to return Jason to the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake where he belongs. So he wraps a chain around a boulder. He lures Jason out into the lake. And he's going to put the chain around Jason's neck to, 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 you know. Yeah, anchor him to the to the bottom. Um, it doesn't work, and then it it does. Okay, it's great. It's super fun. The I, the icon of Jason being chained down underwater has been aped in real life. Oh yeah. In 2018, an artist named Curtis Lair chained a Jason statue to the bottom of a lake in Crosby, Minnesota. That. And just this year in Arizona, Lake Pleasant has a statue of Jason Voorhees at the bottom. In the news oh, report yeah. from ABC 15, again. Uh, source links in the show notes. Um, they refer to Jason wearing a ski mask, which is weird. Okay. Um, typo. And they interview somebody from the parks department who said um, that it's not supposed to be in there. They went to go find it, but they couldn't find it. That's really funny. And so they sort of like joke it up of yeah. like, well, oh, well, so he got away then. Ba, yeah. Ba, 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 ba. Yet again. Okay. They made a great Friday the 13th movie. Uh huh. However, no one went to go see it because part five with Roy. Right. Had been so horrible, no one wanted to go. Right. So they learned the wrong lesson, mm-hmm. and they didn't want to make another movie like part six, right. which is why we got part seven, The New Blood, where Tina Shepard is a psychic who is fighting Jason Voorhees, and it was openly decided behind the scenes that they wanted to have Terminator versus Carrie. Mm-hmm. And so that's what happens in this movie. Um Uh, A psychic wakes up Jason. They fight. She finally severs the hockey mask in twain. The Shelly Finkelstein hockey mask is no more. Okay. I watched that in the movie and I started thinking, so how does it get the new one? Yeah, right. They do answer that. Okay. Um, At the end of this movie, she sends Jason right back down to the water. It's a little pod, self-contained story. Mm -hmm. Let's jump to part eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, which is far more interesting. It takes place in 1998 now. All of these movies love to jump to the future. So this movie, which was released in 1989, takes place in 1998. Um, Kids are going to take a cruise from Crystal Lake to Manhattan. 
but the anchor of their ship grabs onto a giant electrical cable down in the water, which rips, knocking out all the power on Crystal Lake and bringing Jason Voorhees back to life. Perfect. He climbs up, up on board the ship where two teens are canoodling. Mm. Thankfully, one of them is a loser and brought along a hockey mask to scare his girlfriend. Jason kills them both and takes the mask Hence, he's got his mask back. That works. That guy's like the return of Shelly. The, the, Shelly lives on. Mm-hmm. It's worth pointing out that there is a lot of continuity between the damage. The damage. The damage. Uh, uh, about the damage that Jason sustains over the course of the movies. When yeah. somebody chops into his face in part three, the mask still has that chunk ripped out all the way through part seven. I appreciate that. I really appreciate I like that. that. Um, Jason, for the bulk of this movie, you can see his spine poking through his clothes. Mm-hmm. He is soaking wet. Um, and he, there's squishing sounds everywhere he goes, <laughs> which is very fun. <laughs> so um, the new wrinkle here is that our protagonist, Rennie, is able to see visions of Jason as a young boy. This is where it gets guided to the unknowny. She has a flashback. She recalls that when she was a child, her uncle took her on Crystal Lake in a boat. He was trying to get her to learn how to swim. She goes, oh. I'll learn how to swim next year. He goes, that's what he said last year. And he goes, you know, there was a boy that drowned in this lake because he didn't know how to swim. Mm. She's like, what? He goes, yeah, there was a boy named Jason Voorhees. And he went into the water, but he didn't know how to swim. So he drowned. He lost his life. And now they say that kids who end up in the water who don't know how to swim, Jason will appear to drag them into the depths. She goes, what? And he pushes her out of the boat. Oh, my God. He goes, swim. Swim or he'll get you. You better swim or Jason Voorhees will get you and take you to the bottom of the lake. And she's panicking. It's like old school parenting stuff of like, just scare the kids. Just traumatize them and it'll be fine. They'll figure it out. She better learn how to swim now. Yeah, right. Now he thinks, the the uncle, he thinks that he's telling a lie Uh just to scare her to get her to swim. But Jason did appear and he did try to take her and she narrowly escaped. So these days she's able to see a phantom vision of Jason, Ah. which made me think, man, maybe that's why Jason appeared as a child, even in the original movie. Maybe there is an energy about kid Jason that is separate from adult Jason. Maybe. I like that. Yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah. So now Jason Voorhees is stalking everybody around, not so much New York, more, uh, more like Toronto. (laughs) It's very Canadian. Okay. This movie. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of alleyways. There is literally one alleyway in New York City. If you see something in a movie where they're in an alleyway, that is not New York. (laughs) There just are none. That's funny. But so uh, they end up in the sewer. Everyone knows that in New York, they flush all the toxic waste through the sewer at midnight, right? Of course. Jason ends up- Set your watch by it. Jason ends up swept away in in that. (laughs) In midnight's waste. And he melts and his mask comes off and he has a puppet face. It looks terrible. Weird. It's got like a puppety looking mouth and he turns into a little boy again and he uh, disappears. I don't really know. Weird. It's hard to say. They ignore this. This is the first time that they I would imagine fully because ignore. how do you come back from that? You, you don't. can't electrocute him back to life. No. It was also, that was the final movie that Paramount released. Mm-hmm. There are rights issues in Mundo with this franchise. So New Line picks it up and makes Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Can't say Friday the 13th. How do you acknowledge the last movie? They just don't even bother trying. Um, Jason is being targeted by the FBI. They're aware of him now, and they know that he can't kill him. So they really go to the nines. Yeah. They lure him out. How? They have one of their female agents start to take a shower in a cabin on Crystal Lake. It works like that'll do it. Yeah. He appears. Yeah. She lures him to a spot where they turn on all these floodlights, yeah. and they blow him up. 
they just shoot him and hit him with grenades and he literally explodes. They destroy his body. It's okay. in pieces. However, there's a man lurking uh, in the tree line, a man named Creighton Duke, who's like, <laughs> that won't work. Creighton Duke. Creighton Duke. Wow. Um, he'll later be interviewed on television. They go, what do you think of when I say Jason Voorhees? Creighton Duke. He goes, Jason Voorhees, I think of a little girl in a pink dress stuffing a hot dog into a donut. That's what he says. That's what's in this movie. That's okay. what this movie is like. Okay. It's a great indication of what this movie is like. Yeah. Jason is not really in the rest of the movie. What happens here is Creighton Duke reveals that Jason isn't really a, a person at all. Mm-hmm. The The EMT who's doing the autopsy or whatever is compelled to bite Jason's heart. He then becomes possessed by <laughs> Jason. Jason is in everybody's reflections, but everybody's essentially they are Jason. And they're killing people, but they're jumping from body to body to body by spitting a disgusting Jason snake thing into each other's mouths. Ew. It's horrible. This is the movie where they show the Necronomicon in the Voorhees house because Creighton Duke reveals that only a Voorhees can kill a Voorhees. Um, they accidentally let Jason go near the corpse of his own sister. He Oops. had a sister. I forgot to mention that, but he had a sister. Mm-hmm. He crawls inside her body to be reborn. We finally get classic Jason back. Um, uh, and then, uh, his niece stabs him with a magic dagger. Okay. It opens a portal to he- portal to hell where Muppet hands reach out to pull him into hell, uh, leaving only the mask sticking out of the sand, kind of like an archeological find. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a dog smells like it. Of the apes or something. Totally. Uh-huh. A dog sniffs it, runs away. And then <laughs> out of the, the gravel comes the red and green, <sighs> uh, uh, arm of Freddy Krueger with his, uh, razor hand as he grabs the mask. And pulls it under the ground into hell, teasing Freddy versus Jason, which wouldn't come that out for is 10 years. That is awesome. Super cool. Read yeah. the book Slash of the Titans about the that is um, awesome. about the, the de- developmental hell of yeah. trying to make Freddy versus Jason. All right. Okay. Jason X, 2008. Yes. They ignore everything again. He's been captured by the FBI. He gets cryogenically frozen, unthawed in the future. They were trying to study him because of his regenerative properties. In the future, they have machines that can regenerate your health. Not said in the movie, Willy Theory. Maybe the research being done on Jason in the past was successful, and that's why this machine exists in the future. Right. That would make sense, right? Yes, it would. Anyway, he fights people on a spaceship. It's more of a sci-fi parody. Yeah. They blow him up again. Yep. His body parts land on the regeneration machine. Uh, and he's brought back as Uber Jason. He's part metal. He has red glowing eyes and he has a silver hockey mask now. Yep. He stalks around the ship. He's a, a big hulking badass. They also did have this get made about Jason X, which is great. Very good. Um, Jenny Slate from Earthbreak is on it. And um, in the movie, they have a hologram machine, which they make look like 1980s Camp Crystal Lake, mm-hmm. which is actually a very nice way to go back to the beginning. Yes. In a sense. Um, Jason sees two uh, girls in sleeping bags that are trying to seduce him. He starts to walk toward him. We cut away like, oh, did the seduction technique work? Yeah. When we cut back, he's slamming one of the sleeping bags into the other, which is a great joke. The way that they defeat Jason in this movie is that someone sacrifices themselves to push him out of the spaceship and essentially ride him mm-hmm. down through orbit into Earth 2. Oh Earth 1 God. has been decimated. Willy theory. Removing Jason from the planet is what set it on, it on its path to destruction. <laughs> Maybe he was doing population control. Maybe. That's Willy theory. That's true. And so when they froze Jason and he was no longer able to do his stuff, Earth died. But now we've got Earth 2. Yeah. The way the movie ends is Jason's coming through the orbit. There are two kids sitting around a lake and they go, look, a shooting star. Make a wish. That's funny. And then they go, oh, I think it landed in the lake. 
Let's go check it out. Uh-oh. Great ending. That is That's a, a very fun, jokey ending. Those kids are going to be in trouble. And they were because there was a series of Jason X novels that pick up from there. God. But there is no ser- sequel to Jason X. They did, however, make Freddy versus Jason, where J- Freddy brings Jason back from hell, making good on the promise of part nine, where Freddy dragged him into hell. Um, Pamela Voorhees is going, wake up, Jason, wake up. Mm-hmm. You've got to kill them. And so mother is telling him to get up, so he better do it. So he comes back to life, but it wasn't really Pamela Voorhees. It was Freddy Krueger masquerading as her because Freddy is trying to use Jason to uh, get up from Camp Crystal Lake in New Jersey and go to Springwood, Ohio, where Elm Street is, to uh, uh, kill people so that they think Freddy is back. Freddy has no power unless people believe in him. Mm -hmm. So he's going to use Jason to do the dirty work. Jason won't stop killing. Yeah. Jason starts killing people Freddy wanted to kill. Freddy gets angry. Humans are trying to survive both of them. (laughs) They're not safe while they're awake or asleep. And eventually, as go the rules of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, they bring Freddy into the real world, and it's time for the final brawl. Yeah. Freddy ends up, at a certain point, grabbing Jason's machete and slashing him with it. At a certain point, Jason Voorhees has cut off Freddy Krueger's arm and uses the razor claw to attack Freddy Krueger. Very fun reversal stuff. They're fighting at Camp Crystal Lake now. They've returned back to the source of Jason's power. Mm -hmm. Um, There are dream sequences where Freddy Krueger is drowning young Jason in a way that many people have posited maybe Freddy is the one that killed him in the first place. Mm -hmm. I don't buy it. I don't think so either. I don't buy it. So Kristen, who could possibly win this fight? They both fall into the water having seemingly exhausted each other. Our human heroes breathe a sigh of relief. As the dawn breaks over Camp Crystal Lake, the fog on the water roils. Suddenly a figure emerges victorious. Who won the title bout of Freddy versus Jason? Jason Voorhees lumbers out of the water, carrying the decapitated head of Freddy Krueger. That's right. Oh, wait. The head of Freddy Krueger turns to the camera and winks. Yep. Who wins? We do. <laughs> Until they reboot Friday the 13th in 2009. They remake essentially the first three movies. Cold open, we see Pamela Voorhees get killed. Jason watches it happen. Mm-hmm. Then we see Jason attack a bunch of people. Um, and he kidnaps one of them. Then no. Sam from Supernatural is trying to find his sister, the girl who disappeared. Jason gets his hockey mask. Uh, there are horribly detestable characters hanging out at a vacation house. Um, and Sam from Supernatural saves his sister. We learn that Jason, she looked exactly like Jason's mother. So he kidnapped her in the tunnels under Camp Crystal Lake. Okay. There's a character named Chewy in the movie. Okay. Uh, Platinum Dunes made it. Okay, I'm listening. Um, they chain him to a wood chipper and then cut his head and dump him in a lake. He uses a bow and arrow and stuff. And it's not really Friday the 13th yeah. at all. But it is the 12th movie. Right. There are 12. There's I just covered the else. 12 existing Friday the 13th movies. Yes. It's been beautifully 11 years. And now there's a lawsuit mm-hmm. that prevents any new movies from getting made, except recent news. Tom McLaughlin, who directed and wrote part six, the one that I really liked. Yeah has been releasing concept art of what he wants to make, a spiritual 
follow-up to his movie. Mm-hmm. Make it happen. Yeah, make it so. <laughs> Don't let anyone else make the movie except for the person who made the really good one, please. <laughs> and it's going to be the 13th movie. Whatever yeah, happens next will be Friday the 13th, 13th. That would be huge. There have to be lots of talks about it, especially after Halloween made $8 million billion. I know, yes. I, I'm, I'm very curious to see what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but undeniably, I think the golden age of, of Jason Voorhees has already happened. Oh, yeah. As the golden age of uh, Michael Myers already happened to you. Absolutely. Yeah. What is his uh, shining moment? What is the best? Oh, my God. I don't know. I'm trying to think. I it don't doesn't know. have Do to be have like an individual Jason? kill, but like, well, like for Jason, I'm saying part six Jason is, is I think, my Jason. Oh, okay. I mean, part one, the, the first Halloween, Michael Myers. The first the Halloween. Michael Myers for me. Right. The 2008 first halloween got it no no got William, it. don't twist my words Understood. no guys don't listen to him 1978 <laughs> okay no him coming out for oh you know what's his best work the clothesline the clothes oh disappearing in the clothesline yes. with all the sheets yes that's good that's excellent work also um being next to that hedge like on the sidewalk and then you look back and he's not there mm-hmm. also excellent work that is it is it is tr- tremendous work yes um i'm gonna say um uh even though i loved part six i'm gonna say the best uh uh jason Voorhees thing might have been when he slammed those two girls in those sleeping bags against each <laughs> other really funny it was jason a good X. joke yeah, yeah, yeah i don't think the rest of that movie is terribly funny but that was a good gag yeah that sounds yeah. pretty good well there you go everybody what yeah. The exhaustive history. <laughs> like sweating. You really covered all of Friday the 13th rather than just Jason. Well, but it was what Jason did. But you covered more than that. You you went for it. You deserve that sweat. You covered... <laughs> By the sweat of my breath. Yes. Yes. You, you covered like the franchise as a whole, whereas I'm just focusing on Michael. You earned that sweat, and I'm dry as a bone over here, like some sort of dope. I'm not known for my ability to throttle back. True. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go, everybody. Well, everybody enjoys the fruits of that. Slashtober, mm-hmm. the second entry of Slashtober. Yes. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening. As we said before, go to GTTU pod.com if you'd like to check out all of the stuff we do including ghost adventures including patreon all that good stuff and we'll be back next week with the next entry in slash tober yeah some of you already know what it was that's right our people who are on patreon already know the deal Mm -hmm. Uh, but thank you all so much for hanging out with us we will see you next time Mm -hmm. for more slice dice goodness i said i use slice and dice all the time i don't think i used it once i definitely used it a couple of times in my notes i think that i thought that i kept using it so i kept not using it and it turned out that i just never did Mm, okay we'll have to use it a lot more in the remaining shows Mm, yeah we'll see you all again in the future everybody but until that time comes thanks for so so much for hanging out with us and uh we must travel back to the netherworld go we Crunch. I broke a tooth. <laughs> <laughs> Eating my ghost cookie that Allie made for us. <laughs>